I'll be reading Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your like. Sorry, Coleman, the words there, likeness, but uh, you got it. We all got that. So Christopher Daniel, um, if, you wrote a, if you wrote a story about his life, this guy who's still alive, actually, it would probably sound a lot like a, a country and western hit. His life actually would probably work as a number one hit written by Johnny Cash or maybe even a David uh, Allen Coe song because the guy had a wild life. Christopher grew up very poor in the South, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi. By age 10, his dad had moved out, his mom had moved out. He was basically on his own, so he dropped out of school at age 11. And at age 11, he learned from his cousin something to do with his life. Wasn't in school anymore, so his cousin taught him how to be a car thief. Problem was, Christopher Daniel was awful at it. Almost every time he stole a car, he got caught. So Christopher's life started in juvenile detention center, prison from all over, from Texas to Tennessee to Florida. He spent his time locked up. But it was in prison that he actually learned what he was good at. And he was so good at it that guards, police officers, and fellow inmates started to name him Little Houdini. Because while he wasn't good at stealing cars, he was really good at escaping prison. He learned really quick as a teenager how to run at the right time, how to jump fences, how to get away. And then he also learned late in his teen life how to fake accidents. One time as a teenager, he cut himself severely as to act insane so he would get sent to a minimum security juvenile detention center. Once he was checked into the juvenile detention center, he was there for exactly an hour before he walked out the door scot-free. Well, in 2007, he had a story that is worth maybe a reprise of a Smokey and the Bandit movie. Because in 2007, he was in prison in Texas, and he got a call from his mom, who he hadn't seen in over 10 years. His mom informed him of some bad news that she was on her deathbed. She didn't know if she was going to make it for the next month. And so Christopher Daniel decided he had to do something. He had to get out of prison. Didn't know what he was going to do. Other than there was one opportunity. He was serving some time in Texas, and that time in Texas was about up, and he was going to have to be transported to serve some more time for Grand Theft Auto in Alabama. And so he started to hatch a plan of getting out of prison during the transport. So about a week before his transport, he stole Awkward for anybody? 
Christopher Daniel spent a lot of time in prison. <laughs> now, in 2007, so he was about to get out. He was heading to Alabama, so he stole a pen, and he fashioned. He had learned how to fashion a handcuff key out of the spring out of a normal, everyday Bic pen. And so he hid that in the top lip of his mouth for a week until he was on the road from Texas to Alabama. It was then in the, in the van that he was being transported in that he started to act out one of his greatest scenes, that he was very, very ill. So ill that the officers pulled over at a rest stop just south of Tennessee border and let him go into the restroom. It was in the restroom where he undid his handcuffs, snuck out the back window, and took off through fields. He ran over fields and streams and through forests, finally coming upon a truck which he stole then from moving from there he moved north out of alabama and into tennessee making his way to his mom's house near nashville tennessee along the way he decided from radio chatter that he had picked up that on the radio somebody had said there was an escaped inmate he decided to ditch the truck and he stole a tractor trailer an 18-wheeler without the trailer as he got to Nashville, he decided he would blend in on interstate traffic a lot better if he would look like a normal tractor trailer. So he pulled into a local Walmart and hitched up to his tractor trailer at a Walmart trailer full of $300,000 worth of Walmart merchandise. Then he was off, headed to his mom's house. Thought he was off for good. Going down the interstate, driving Walmart stuff, you know, that's great. Somebody's packages. But as he got close to his mom's house, the world started to cave in on him. He thought he was going to get to see her. As he pulled off and skidded the truck into his mom's residence, the cops were close. He could hear the sirens. He almost thought he could hear the dogs barking as they were chasing him. And he didn't want to scare his mom, so he decided not to see his mom. With a little bit of time, he ran straight by, out of the truck, straight by his mom's house, and went off into the woods again. And the story gets even better. He went over a couple hills, had escaped the police again on this fateful day, and he happened upon a country western music festival. As he crossed the interstate... He saw this huge parking lot full of RVs and country and western tour buses. The tour buses were behind a locked uh, chain link fence. So he went up to the chain link fence and it had a keypad. And he started punching in different numbers. Well, it wouldn't work. He was hoping one would work. Somebody saw him trying to punch in numbers and they just, hauled out, they just hollered out the four-digit code for him. He was in. Then he was in looking through the tour buses, trying to find one with keys. As he went through the tour buses, he finally found one that was opened. And the one that he found was country and western superstar Crystal Gale's tour bus, back from the 70s and 80s. He thought it was a sign because his mom's favorite country and western singer, Crystal Gale. He stole her tour bus, made his way away from the country and western uh, festival, and then had an idea. He said, I've got to get somewhere where this tour bus isn't so conspicuous. It's so easy to see. And he remembered that that weekend in Florida was the Daytona 500. <laughs> so he made his way south to Florida, still evading the police. Nobody knew where he was. 
He got to Daytona 500, got to the check-in where a a DPS officer was there checking him in, and he thought, oh, great, he's going to know. DPS officer said, hello, and he said, I'm with so-and-so, and I think he named off Tony Stewart. I'm with Tony Stewart. Guy gave him a VIP pass, and he got to park Crystal Gale Stewart bus right in the infield. For the next several hours, he enjoyed his time. It was his first time at a NASCAR race. He was loving this. Christopher Daniel, he'd always loved NASCAR. He had mentioned Tony Stewart because he was his favorite racer. For the next few hours, he got to hang out, meet people. He even got to take two laps in a golf cart on Daytona 500 track as with somebody else that was working that weekend. That afternoon, he got back into the tour bus, and he turned on the TV. Well, the fuzz was close. It was about to happen. They said somebody had reported seeing Crystal Gale's tour bus pull into the Daytona Speedway. So he thought he had to get out of here. He's got to get out of there. So he made his way slowly out of the Daytona Speedway. And he had been lucky for over about 48 hours. But his luck was about to end. He didn't know what to do. He needed to get rid of the, the tour bus. It was way too slow to get away from the police one more time. And so he made his way down a street in Daytona, Florida, and he stopped at the first person he saw on the corner to ask for directions. And he stopped and rolled down the window and asked this lady for directions, and she was an undercover policeman. And she arrested him on site. And the ballad of Christopher Daniel came to an end a great story a story worthy of the movies and i don't know what it is about us but we love in some way i don't know if it was my upbringing i love stories of heists and getaways i don't know if it was the oj uh chase from 1994 or 5 whenever that was or if it was growing up and watching tbs and Smokey and the bandit was on all the time but there's something about us that roots for the bandit to get away from Smokey, right? We like that. And maybe more than just our culture, it has more to do with we all know what it's like to wonder. We all know what it's like to fade. We all know what it's like to drift. We all know what it's like to run away from our purpose in life. That's why Christopher Daniel's story is kind of humorous. But also we kind of relate to it because we know what it looks like to run. This morning we're going to start 2022 with just a couple week series that we're calling Awaken. And it's a story that we're going to begin with today talking about a guy who's on the run. The Beatles were the band on the run. In their Bible, the first man on the run is a guy who's a scoundrel. His name's Jacob. He's recently stolen what was not his, his brother's birthright. He's cheated, he's lied, he's made his way, and now, even though he's been sent by his father north, he is on the run because his brother is out looking for him. And he knows that if he's to return to his original home, his original purpose, he's as good as dead. We're going to talk about Jacob because along the way, Jacob is not just a story. His story is not one of just running. It isn't a story. It is a story of awakening. Because it's on this journey 
It's where this journey teaches us that Jacob has a life-changing moment with the Lord. An awakening that shifts his entire direction. And we're going to begin 2022 with this because it's time for us, I believe. I think we're ready for an awakening. Amen? I think we're ready for it. We look around us, dwindling numbers. We look around us and we're hurting. We're all stuck in the same place in life right now. And the only hope we have is the Lord. And the only thing he offers us is his grace and his mercy, the greatest gifts. But those come along with an awakening. And today, we're going to work towards awakening Canadians. But today, we're going to begin with awakening me. So I want you to get introspective today. I want you to realize something about greater purpose this morning. And I'd ask you to follow along, taking notes and all that stuff. If you want to do that on the app or out of the bulletin. But most of all, I just want you to have your heart ready to receive this message this morning. So let's pray about that. And we'll jump into Genesis 28 here in a moment. God, I realize how little we can do to change hearts. In fact, I can do nothing. Only you can awaken us. So, Father, we come to you and we ask for you to stir our hearts again. To move in us. To change us. To show us that you have something for us that may not even seem extraordinary, but may seem very, very ordinary, but still can lead to something great and new in our life. Father, just give us ears today. And more than ears, give us hearts to receive and desire to change and desire to start fresh. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pick it up here in Genesis 28. Verses 10. If you're following along in your Bible or on the app, it's there on the app. It's here on the screen as well. So Jacob here is in trouble. So here's what happens. He's already stolen. He's already lied. And it says this. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, He stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Now, I don't know if we focus too much on this in Bible class as a kid, but I always thought this story was about a camp, a camp out. The story was just about Jacob having to sleep on a rock. And I used to imagine as a kid having to sleep with my head on a rock. Didn't seem too comfortable. But that's really not the point of the story. This isn't Jacob just going on his excursion to your local KOA. This is not that. This is a story of God showing up. It's a story of Jacob going, according to the text, from Beersheba north to Haran, but along the way, he arrives at a certain place. Now, Hebrew, for certain place, is the word Higgins. Right? (laughs) Not really. It's the word middle of nowhere right? A spot in the road. Blink and you'll miss it. Jacob arrived somewhere in the Texas panhandle, right? There was nothing around. That's what the Hebrew here means. He just arrived in the middle of nowhere. And the text is trying to tell us something. 
There's no reason for, a, for the writer of Genesis 28 to tell us this other than to say God does things in middle of nowhere places. That is the actual point. So number one this morning, church, what I want us to hear is this. God awakens us in unlikely places. He's the God who shows up when we least likely expect it. Expect it. Certain places, boring places, normal places, mundane, routine places. This is where God is. Now, we all have a propensity to want him to show up in the spectacular. And I would say he certainly can and does. And I look forward to those places. But what I love about the Jacob story is that it starts with this little prelude to share with us God's about to show up in middle of nowhere places. He is the God of the regular. Rat Matt, Matt Redman, Rat Medman, <laughs> Matt Redman says it this way. I love this quote. He says, We are not saved. And I think we, we struggle with this, so hear this. We are not saved from mediocrity and obscurity, the ordinary and the mundane. We are saved in the midst of it. We are not redeemed from the mundane. We are redeemed from the slavery of thinking our mundane life is not enough. Now what Matt is saying there is the same thing that Jacob is about to encounter. Jacob is going to encounter God and have an awakening to the reality of God but it wasn't his goal. He wasn't even at the destination. He's in the middle of nowhere. It's simply along the way. And there's an important lesson in there for all of us. We are all guilty of wanting to be inspired by God, moved by God, challenged by God in big ways. Right? If I could just have this happen. God, if you would just do this. But what happens when we look for God in the spectacular and not in the mundane is we make idols out of the spectacular. We do. That retreat, that encounter, that moment, that workshop, that perfect sermon, that perfect song. We end up making idols of that because then we start to believe that God can only show up in the fireworks. And, of course, God can and does use those places, of course. But the danger is when we don't see God in the everyday, we end up boxing him. And then we end up worshiping the form instead of worshiping the Lord. You with me? And that's what this story is so good at showing us. So before we move on, I want us to all think about that. I want us to all know that God is looking to awaken us, maybe during a pandemic. The one thing we want to go away, maybe God's going, maybe it's time to wake up and see I am still active in this. God is here now. We believe that? On a boring Sunday where half our church didn't show up this morning? Right? Right? At your house right now as you watch on Facebook or YouTube where we sang that song that you've sung a thousand times, Blessed Assurance, and you could sing it without even thinking about the words. 
We serve a God who wants to show up in those moments as well. Maybe more so in certain spots along the way. He loves to move in those moments. See, we all want that change, right? We all want to be on fire for Jesus, or you wouldn't be here this morning. I believe that about you. We all want to be on fire for Jesus, but what do we do? The problem is we don't allow God to ignite that fire in the normal. We wait for others. We say, well, somebody else needs to go first or something else needs to happen first. And maybe that's what we're missing. God uses awakenings in unlikely places. And maybe for the American first 21st century church, the most unlikely of places is the boring everyday routine of life. And maybe we need to allow ourselves to encounter God in these kind of moments. He loves to move. Not just in the earth shaking, but in the faithfulness of everyday people. The everyday people who say, I'm going to read my Bible every morning. I'm going to pray. I'm going to speak with kindness. I'm going to let my light shine. So let's see what happens in this as we move into this story a little deeper. So, of course, he lies down, goes to sleep on this rock, and here's what happened. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top, and the Hebrew word actually is head, with its head reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And the Lord said, I am Yahweh, or I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I love this. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. Until I have done what I have promised you. Now there's a couple levels at work here. But number two, church, here's what we need to deal with before we deal with the two levels. Number two is this. is not only does God awaken us in unlikely places, awakenings are fueled by God's faithfulness. Now here's what I mean by that. It's not the other way around. Jacob is a mess. He has no business being partnered up and covenanted, if that's a word, covenanted. I'm making that up. I don't know if it's a word. Look it up. Covenanted with God in this moment. There's no reason for God to do this. But God reaches out to Jacob, the bad guy in the story, the antagonist of the story, who has no qualifications. He's not done one good thing so far in the book of Genesis. But yet it's God's faithfulness that fuels a change in Jacob. It's God who is faithful and extends covenant. And if you noticed, if you're a Bible reader, you noticed that it is the same exact covenant combined that he extended to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. You're going to be a blessing to all people, right? That's Genesis 12. And you're going to number your numbers of your, of, the, of your descendants are going to be great. That's Genesis 15. He combines those. But then also what I love about it is God does something unique. 
He doesn't tell Jacob, here's a list of things I want you to do. He doesn't tell Jacob, here's a list of how to follow me. What he does is he just simply tells him who he, capital H, God, is. Because awakenings are fueled by God's faithfulness. Who he is. God cannot be unfaithful. And so Jacob has to come into a, an encounter with a God who can't be unfaithful because he is extremely unfaithful. Now that's important for us to think about. It's important for us to think about how this operates because for us to have an awakening, we need to have an encounter again with the faithfulness of God. We, and this is the first layer I want to talk about. I want to remind you again that a lot of you may be thinking an encounter with God looks like him telling you something to do. Perhaps God is just telling you today who he is. But I'm a mess, God. And God says to us, but I am faithful. I will not leave you till I have done what I've promised. Verse 15. I don't deserve it, God. My sin is far too great. We say that all the time. There's no way you would want to use me. And God says, but I am graceful. My grace reaches well beyond your sin. But I'm not able, God. I can't do that. I'm not like that person. I'm not spiritual. And God says to us, I have given you my spirit. We say so often of ourselves, I am unworthy. And God says, you're my child. Now, I don't know what you guys think about the ladder, but that brings us to this ladder. You guys are probably wondering, what, they, they forget to take the ladder down from changing the lights or something back there, right? <laughs> you guys don't talk like that, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, this brings us to the ladder, Jacob's ladder. There's something cool going on with Jacob's ladder here, and it's all about identity. And it's all about God's faithfulness. There's only two places in your Old Testament in which something is described as having its top or its head reaching to the heavens. One is here in Genesis 28. The latter we're described there is in the dream in verse 12 and 13. It has a bottom that reaches to the earth and it has a, a head or a top that reaches to the heavens. But we're also told the same thing about the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. It has a head that reaches to the heavens. So here's what God is actually doing. Here's what Scripture is actually doing. What was the purpose of the Tower of Babel? The purpose of the Tower of Babel was for people to build something, to build a name for themselves so they could ascend to the heavens, right? Right? It was something for them to build a name, to so say, look how good we are. We're going to build something that reaches to the stars. Now the story is being reversed, and God is revealing himself to people by saying let me show you what kind of god i am i'm not the kind of god that you have to build something to go find i'm the kind of god who will come down to jacob and in my faithfulness now jacob will go build a name for yahweh you see that isn't that cool don't tell me the bible is boring that is so cool because that is what's happening. By his faithfulness, Jacob now is going to go out and have an awakening where he is going to build a name for God. 
It's reversed. Tower of Babel is being reversed. Now that gets us to this. Because what this means for us is we can't get that backwards. Your awakening still needs to be fueled just like Jacob's was by God's faithfulness. But we've got to shift our perspective. We still, and probably most of us that grew up in church probably struggle with this, so I'm probably talking to you more. But I grew up in church, and I still struggle with thinking that if I need to get to God, I need to climb some steps in my life, right? And I often believe three identity lies that Henry Nouwen mentions that we all believe. There's three identity lies that we all believe that Henry Nouwen says. And we believe that we're not worthy of things because we believe these identities. First one is, I am what I do. And I have nothing to do with God. God wouldn't have anything to do with me because I am what I do. Right? The other one that we believe is, I am what other people say about me. So people have told me these things. And I can't get to God because God... Uh, I've been told that I, 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 I just can't do that. My sin's too great or, or the church has told me I'm no good or whatever it is. And then the third thing that we believe is I am what I have. So we acquire stuff. And see, what this story teaches us is that none of those steps are true, is that God comes down. That's called grace. And God comes down and says, you, in fact, can't climb one of the steps. And because you can't climb one of the steps, the thing that saves you and awakens you is my faithfulness. That's the gospel, church. And it happens here in Genesis 28. What a beautiful story. So awakening is something that happens in unlikely places. It's something that's fueled by God's faithfulness. But let's finish out the story here, starting in verse 16 through 22. Here's what happens with Jacob. Remember what God told him. He said, I'm going to stick with you until this gets accomplished. And here's what Jacob does. And you'll see a little bit of the scoundrel in Jacob show up here. (laughs) He's such a weasel. Uh, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. This spot in the road, God is here. He has this realization. He is having the awakening. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Beth El or Bet El. Though the city used to be called Luz. And Beth El means house of God. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am making and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, (laughs) I don't know if you're paying attention, you may have seen the scoundrel come out there. (laughs) Because he's already making deals with God. Right? And I think we can relate. Have you ever said something or seen something amazing, brilliant, and inspirational? Maybe it's more close to what you've said. You've, you've allowed something is, God has used you for great things to say, come out of your mouth, but then you just kept talking and it got worse. 
<laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, this sermon's heading that direction, right? Yeah, we've all been there. You've said something like on point. Maybe you've been arguing with your spouse or argued with somebody, and you're like, all right, I said that calm, but then you kept talking, and it just got worse. That's basically what Jacob does here. He says, how awesome is this place? This is Bethel, the house of God. He sets up an Ebenezer, a little altar, and says, this is great. But then he keeps talking. And then he starts making deals with God, and he starts saying if, and he starts doing all these things. It's those things we say like, yeah, I really like your haircut. Your face doesn't look as fat as it used to. You know, stuff like that. You keep saying things that shouldn't be said, right? That's what Jacob is doing here. He says, if, he gives God an ultimatum, if you do these things, then. But I want to pick on him. Because awakenings start with the power of God, so I want to focus on that. I don't want to mess with what Jacob does wrong. I want to make note of it. Just to remind ourselves that we've all been there again, and we'll probably be there in the future. But I love what God does. He knows Jacob's a mess. And he meets him where he is. And that's our third point here, church. I want you to know this. And I want to, man, if there's something you can live by in 2022, here it is. Awakenings require direction more than perfection. Jacob at least has a direction now. God's going to do something in him. Is he still a mess? Yes. Is he still a scoundrel? Yes. Is he going to have to wrestle with God by side a river in a few chapters? Yes. Is he going to wrestle with God probably the rest of his life? Absolutely. But at least he has direction. He chooses a direction. And I want you to know this morning that matters far greater for who you'll be in this new year than anything else. God's not looking for you to be perfect. God's not looking for you to have all the answers. God's looking for us to respond to his faithfulness and just head in a direction. So I want to challenge you this morning as we wrap up. I want to just challenge you to just choose a direction. If you want a faith that's awakened to new heights and greater things, it's not going to come probably in some blast of light we all want a damascus road experience perhaps it can come because you choose today that every morning is going to belong to the lord or that you choose today to grab our little scripture habit menu sheet today and you pull that out of your bulletin and you go you know what i want to get in scripture this year i want to read through the bible or i want to get into the psalms whatever it is and you get with some friends and you get accountable and you go out to this board out there, you get on the version app or something and you sign up for something. Really, it doesn't matter what you do. What matters is that you choose a direction today. I want us to be reminded this morning that our faith doesn't grow when we have all the answers. It grows when we decide to do something with the one who has all the answers. When we stay on the journey. And we all have different challenges. Where I'm at in my journey probably doesn't match my words and my wisdom that I would give a teenager and my boys isn't the same for what they need. Or college students, some of you college students, your faith journey is different than it was in high school. 
If you're a young parent, your faith journey right now is different than it was when you were just uh, a young married couple. It changes all the time. So I'm not trying to tell you exactly what to do, but I do know this. We are all experiencing the same need today. I can 100% guarantee we all need an awakening. Whether we had one yesterday or we already had one this morning, we probably need another one. Amen? And so may we choose it. We're all going through the same thing, church. Stop waiting on somebody else to inspire your faith. Stop waiting on some leader to be inspired and raise up in your life so that you can be led to Jesus. God has already risen up the king. You need no other leader. He has risen from the dead. We have more than we need. So may we have an awakening. This morning, if you need anything for that, if you're like, man, I want to pray about that, we're excited here in a minute. We're going to pray over the Monty family. They're going to identify and place membership with us. But if you need anything else too, come forward, grab an elder, uh, send us a prayer request online. Let's choose the direction together. We're all in different places, but we're all going through the same thing. We all need Jesus. And that's the best way to start 2022 is going, I need him. And I need you, my church family, to help me walk with you. Let's stand together as we sing.